Hello, my dear creative cuties. It's Lauren here. I hope you're having a great holiday, that you're resting. Maybe you're by the pool. Maybe you're driving in a car. (laughs) I don't know why I thought that would be a really cool thing to do. Sometimes road trips can be fun. I am taking this week off, but I didn't want to leave you hanging out there with no new Unleash. So I'm resurfacing an episode from March 2021 all about why I don't believe in the word aspiring, why there's nothing more valuable in the world than a good idea, plus tips on redefining failure and why it shouldn't be connected to financial success. I loved listening back to this episode in preparation for airing it for you because... Number one, I wish everybody had a podcast so that they could see how much they grow. Just even listening to the difference in the tone of my voice, the difference in confidence, how much more I can rely on my own inner knowing instead of reading something off the page between now and back then was amazing. Also, it's good to remember insights that you've already learned or shared because sometimes I don't know about you, but I can be going about my life and just forget about the things I've done or talked about or sometimes, unfortunately, even learned. And for me, the failure part of this conversation was so powerful because that's still something I'm struggling with two years later. And I needed my younger self to kind of give me a a pat on the back and be like, hey, you're on the right track. Keep going. And then the part about the good idea, I mean, it's just so powerful to remember that sometimes the only thing standing between you and quote unquote making it is time and resources. And that if you can just stick with your idea long enough, magic can happen, but you have to stick with yourself. So anyway, have a beautiful day. Take care of yourself and enjoy this re-air of a great solo episode. All right. Talk soon. Love you. Hello, and welcome to Unleash Your Inner Creative with Lauren LaGrasso. I'm Lauren LaGrasso. I'm a People's Choice Podcast-nominated podcaster and producer, a singer-songwriter, a coach, an actor. I'm basically just like a multi-passionate creative who really is looking to find meaning in my creative journey and help others do the same and step into creativity to make creativity the filter for your life, redefine your relationship with fear, Take fear out of the driver's seat, step more fully into the essence of who you are, and claim your right to have a dream and take up space. Because I believe if we could all do these things, the world would be a much better, happier, more loving, and empathetic place. And on today's show, I'm going to be doing a solo episode where you'll learn why I don't believe in the word aspiring, how to redefine failure, and why nothing is more valuable than a good idea. But before you hear about all that, I want to ask you a quick favor. If you like the show and it's helped you, please, please consider leaving it a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. This really helps bring the show visibility. It helps push it up the charts and expand the creative community. Also, post about the show on social media. Tag me and at Unleash Your Inner Creative, and I will repost to share my gratitude. Okay, so now into some of those fanciful topics that I was telling you about. So why I don't believe in the word aspiring. In order to really fully understand my journey with this word, I want to take you back to the young, young age of 22. I was just a ripe young girl out of college. I had just graduated from Michigan State. I was in LA pursuing my dream of acting. And I never really used the word aspiring. 
But I heard a lot of my peers using the word, whether it was somebody who was a writer or an actor or a singer, I would hear them say the word aspiring a lot. I could understand that if, you know, they had this dream of wanting to do these things and they weren't putting in any work to do it or they hadn't done any of it publicly or they weren't doing it in some capacity on a regular basis. But most of the people who said they were a quote-unquote aspiring fill-in-the-blank creative type were doing the thing in some capacity. A lot of the actors who would say they were aspiring actors were taking acting class and they were doing theater and they were creating sketches with their friends. So it struck me as odd, but I didn't really fully come to understand why until later in life. And by later in life, I mean about a year ago. I heard some people that, again, that I knew who were all of these things, who were writers and actors and designers saying that they were aspiring again. I thought to myself, why is this bothering me so much? I looked up the definition for aspiring, okay? I just want you to know what the definition is. Typing it in right now. (laughs) I looked it up, but then I didn't save it on my computer, which was great. Okay, aspiring. It's an adjective, and here's what it means. Directing one's hopes or ambitions toward becoming a specified type of person. Meaning, if you are doing the thing that you are quote-unquote aspiring to do, then you're not aspiring anymore, honey. You are doing it. You are an actor. You are a writer. You are a director. You are a a creative. There is no aspiring about it. Maybe you are an aspiring professional actor or an aspiring professional fill-in-the-blank creative. But if you're doing it, if you're putting in the work every day, if you're writing every day, if you've got a blog, if if you're doing it, then you are it. There is no such thing as aspiring. And so I really want to call to you in this moment to strike that word from your vocabulary if you're currently using it. If you're currently using it because you're not doing the thing that you want to do, then fine. You're using it appropriately. Carry on. But if you want to be a dancer and you're in dance class and you're doing choreography on YouTube and, you know, like you're posting your videos of you dancing, you're a dancer. There is no aspiring about it. So I feel really passionately about that because I think that word It's even a hesitancy toward like, I think a lot of times we use it because we're afraid that other people are going to judge us and be like, well, what have you done? But that's their shit. It's not yours. So boldly state that, yes, I am an actor. I am a writer. I am a producer. Whatever it is that you do, because the financial piece of it should have no bearing on whether you get to claim that, that word for yourself. Don't degrade yourself or downgrade yourself just because you don't think you've achieved whatever it is you're supposed to achieve. If you're doing the thing, you are the thing. Okay? So that's number one. Going to the achievement thing. I've also been thinking a lot about failure and what we deem as a failure. Fear of failure keeps us from doing so many things, but I was thinking even more deeply about that and like, what is a failure? If something is not a financial success, does that mean it's a failure? But even that, I mean, if you learn something, if you followed through on a dream, isn't that still a success in some way? Even if it didn't have the outcome you originally desired or intended, couldn't you still define that as a success? And, you know, I've been doing the morning pages ever since I had Julia Cameron, who's the author of The Artist's Way on the show. And I kind of, I wrote a little bit about it this morning. I know you're not typically supposed to share your morning pages, but I'm going to let you in on my journal. 
because I was writing about how I kind of wanted to come on the show and talk about what is failure. So here's what I wrote this morning. What is failure? What's the difference between failure and a longer road? The main defining fact for failure is your tolerance for a long, sometimes difficult journey. If you can maintain your love, passion, and mental and physical health, then you can keep going, and you can keep going toward your dream. Is it really a failure just because you didn't reach or achieve the expectation or somehow come out as a monetary success? Maybe the key to getting started or overcoming fear of failure starts with asking yourself what the word even means to you. And then I kind of went into my own journey on it, and I can share that with you in a little bit. But, like, I started thinking about what does the word failure actually mean to me? My definition of failure is pretty high. Like, I have called acting a failure, but I honestly, I don't feel that way because if I hadn't stopped acting because I didn't have the tolerance for the pain level of the journey because the journey was just too painful for me with acting, like the process of going out and basically, like, having to beg for somebody to tell you you were talented enough to do the thing that you love to do the most hurt me too deeply. But like, can we really look at that as a failure? I don't think so. I think that that was just good self-knowledge and that that roadblock that acting provided enabled me to expand in ways that I never could have otherwise. It taught me that I was a podcast and radio host. It taught me that I was a singer-songwriter. It taught me that I could be a businesswoman. It taught me that I could be a public speaker. It taught me that I have potential for leadership. These are things that I think never would have come to me if I hadn't gone through that quote-unquote failure. But it again, I just, I don't look at it like a failure. I think it's, I don't know, I think it's a lot more expansive. The word just, again, maybe that word needs to be taken out of our vocab because some people could even like look at my music career like listen I haven't I've made some money from music but I've definitely not made as much as I've invested into it is it a failure it's like creativity versus money all the time they really shouldn't be coexisting but they're forced to coexist and I think that this creates a lot of the conflict in our world and a lot of the reason why people don't go toward their creative passion it's because there's so much emphasis on making money that we don't give ourselves the creative room to breathe. And therefore we feel like a failure because we didn't give our creativity the time it needed to bloom from seed to to full plant. Some plants can grow over the course of a few days. Some things take years. I think that nothing is a failure as long as you stick with it. Maybe a certain path didn't work out. And I guess the other thing I wrote in my little morning page journal is, There are a lot of drawbacks to being an indie artist, but one of the advantages is you get to keep going as long as it feels good and right. And I think that that's something we all need to keep in mind is like, it's up to us to define what a failure is. And admitting that something didn't go the way you wanted it to doesn't mean you're a failure. It means you have the capacity to be vulnerable, to learn, to reroute, and to stick with the thing that you love. Failure also feels like something that society decides for you. Like, why are you going to let some outside circumstance decide your own life and your own worth and your own creative journey's end? Let's look up what failure means. (laughs) I'm curious now. Lack of success. What does that even fucking mean? Omission of expected or required action. So failure 
Failure is all wrapped up in expectation. If you can go into something without expectation or with the willingness to continue on, even if you don't hit the expectation, with the willingness to commit to the journey, to the passion, even if the expectation isn't hit, then I think you can also strike the word failure from your vocabulary. It feels like an unnecessary word that induces shame and stops us from ever starting. As long as we take the chance on ourselves, as long as we keep choosing ourselves and choosing our creativity and choosing our own passion and and not abandoning ourselves and committing to being a person that you can lay in bed at night and say, I'm proud of the life I live today, then failure doesn't exist. And I know there are realities in life like money and you got to take care of yourself on a base level, but your creative passions shouldn't be tied up in this finite rat race. It's really a matter of being true to who you are or not. So choose you and you can never fail. And speaking of choosing yourself, so I love popsicles. This is random, but I just love popsicles. I promise you it has a point. So a while back I was thinking about popsicles and I go, how did, how did they ever come to be? How did a popsicle get invented? So I Googled, how are popsicles invented? And it's pretty amazing. An 11-year-old kid invented popsicles in the early 1900s. I want to tell you a little bit about him. His name was Frank Epperson, and he invented them in 1905. Basically, like he mixed together this sugary soda water and left a stick in it, the stick that he used to stir it up. It accidentally froze overnight. He went into his garage the next morning, and he said, oh, my gosh, this looks pretty cool. Lick, lick. Wow, delicious confection. He, <laughs> he named it the Epsicle because of icicle, cold, like an icicle, and his name was Frank Epperson. And so then he started selling them around his local neighborhood and doing really well. Then in the 1920s, he expanded his sale beyond his neighborhood. He started selling the treat at Neptune Beach, which was a nearby amusement park. And he got a lot of success for this. He filed for a patent for the Popsicle. At that point, he changed the Popsicle name to Popsicle because his kids, which he had had by this time in the early 1920s, called it Pop, like their dad, Pops Sickles. So they encouraged him to call it Popsicle. Well, the story takes a sad turn because in the 20s, later on in the 20s, he was broke and he sold his creation to the Joe Lowe Company. He was flat broke. He had to liquidate all of his assets and he regretted it forever. He said, I haven't been the same since. It took many different twists and turns after that. Popsicle was bought out, I think, by good humor. Long story short, it's a multi-billion dollar industry today. This 11-year-old kid's idea has turned into a multi-billion dollar industry. There is nothing more valuable than a good idea. Maybe the only thing more valuable, no, equal, is time. And it just struck me that if this young kid, who was then an adult by the time he sold it, had stuck with his idea just given it a little bit more time. He had the potential to turn it into a multi-billion dollar industry. The idea was the same. There was just more marketing, more people, more force behind it that enabled it to rise to the platform that it did. But his idea was what created that multi-billion dollar industry. Now, this is what I'm talking about with failure. I think failure really only exists in giving up. 
It's not like he failed. He came up with the idea that was a multi-billion dollar industry. He just, he couldn't bring it to the finish line at that time. And I get it. It's a privilege to be able to fight for your dream. It really is. Sometimes people are backed into terrible circumstances and they don't have the opportunity to fight for their dream. But so many of us do have the opportunity to fight for our dream and choose not to because of some false sense of, oh, if I do it, I could fail or I'll lose security. It's usually not that bleak, especially for those of us that don't have a family. We have options. Don't be Frank Epperson. Don't give up on your idea because you don't know if you just haven't stuck with it long enough to make it a multi-billion dollar idea. Or maybe it will just be something that's financially viable and brings you joy. But either way, there is just literally nothing more valuable than a good idea. And just because your idea hasn't been received the way it's capable of being received yet or hasn't found the right audience or hasn't found the right team to surround it doesn't mean that it's not a good idea, potentially capable of multi-billion dollars of sales a year. It just really, really struck me. First of all, how sad it was. Like reading his story actually makes me cry. Reminds me of the McDonald Brothers story too. Ugh. If you want to cry at a creative story, read that. But um, if you have an idea that you really believe in, keep going because you deserve to see it to the finish line if you want to. If you don't, that's okay. But if you have the privilege to make choices and you can take it to the finish line and you want to, don't give up when you're like a quarter of the way through the race because you think that you're a failure. Time for Diet Coke break. Yes, yes, yes. Da-da-da-da-da. <laughs> I really needed that. Love what you love. Diet Coke. Get runway ready. A chance to win the ultimate shopping experience plus hundreds of prizes curated by Kate Moss. Promo packs in store, 18 plus, T's and C's. Visit coke.co.uk slash break. Okay, so that's today's show. Thank you so much for listening. If you liked what you heard, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Follow the show on Spotify. Tell a friend about the show and post about it on your social media. Tag at Lauren LaGrasso and at Unleash Your Inner Creative. And I will repost to share my gratitude. Thank you so much to our associate producer, Emily Shulmanovich. You can follow her at We Can't Find Emily. Thank you to Liz Full for the show's theme music. Follow her at Liz Full. And again, thank you. My wish for you this week is that you strike aspiring from your vocabulary, redefine failure for yourself, and remember that there is nothing more valuable than a good idea. Don't give up when you're 25% of the way through just because you think you're a failure. It's not true. Remember Frank Epperson and fight for him. All right. I love you and I believe in you. Talk with you next week.